Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! Yeah! It's Lane! Huskers win it 13-10. They beat Northwestern and go to 4-2. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. The defense won us that game, and I'm proud of those guys. They continue to get better. They made an interception at the end that got us in position to win it. Snap back to hand it off to Hole in the backfield. He's getting dropped for a loss. Good play by Darian Daniels. That's a TFL for a minus three. I came in motion, and then I was just kind of like, if they overlapped, then I know I'm going to get this ball, and I was hoping Noah was going to give me a chance for it, which he obviously did, and I just I just went up and made a play. That's all. That's just what was going through my head. I was like, you got to make a play. Adrian gets the snap. Martinez con el ovoide. Puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30. Wandale, 25 Step back, Adrian looking right, stepping through the pressure, rolling right, now throws it downfield and passes caught. Uh, was the inbounds? Austin Allen made the oh catch along goodness. the sidelines. They're going to say it's an inbounds catch at the 26-yard line. What a catch. Nebraska trying to construct to a two-score lead. The kick's sending toward the uprights, and the kick is good. Lane McConnell from 36 yards, and Nebraska leads it 10 to nothing. In motion to Wandale. Snap back. Zone read. Ball flipped over to Wandale to the 40. Makes a man miss. 45-50. He's to the 40. It's a foot race now. 30-25. Caught from behind. Knocked out of the 19-yard line. It's a 47-yard run. Run. The Huskers pitch it on that little inside shovel to Robinson and then race it up the middle of the field. This one into a bit of a breeze here at Memorial Stadium. Snap down, the kick sailing towards the uprights, and the kick is no good. He missed it. We're still tied at 10. When you're in a tight game, special teams and turnovers are the, are the difference, and I think that last that last pick we got probably was the play of the day. Back to throw is Aiden Smith. Steps throw. Pass picked off. Intercepted. It's picked off by Lamar Jackson. He's to midfield. And he goes down at the 48-yard line of Northwestern. Lamar Jackson gets his second pick of the year. We just needed a play here and there. And we, we'd gotten a couple other big plays that got us down in position to score. And we came away with no points a couple times. And that was a big play from Noah to Wandale. I thought both those kids stepped up tonight. Noah Vedro waits the shotgun snap. Mills in the backfield with him. Snap back to Noah. Has some time. Steps, throws downfield looking for Wandale. Robinson makes a catch at the 20. He twisted out of bounds at the 17-yard line. What a terrific throw by Noah Federal to Wandale Robinson for 31 yards. And the Huskers in field goal range. I was pretty much laser focused on trying to make that kick. That's really all that was on my mind. And I was really confident. I think the more the timeouts came, I think the more confident I got. I mean, you can quote me on this. He has that clutch factor in him. I really do believe in, in Lane. And I'd let trust him to kick that kick. Every week. Snap down, the kick is up. Tres segundos en el reloj. Allá viene el intento. And the kick is good. Here's Lane. La batió. Es bueno. Huskers win it 13 to 10. They beat Northwestern. 
and go to four and two. You know, wins a win. We're four and two. That's a lot better than where we were last year at this time. I told the guys it's a one-week season now because we got one week. We got to go up to Minnesota, play an undefeated team, and then we get a week off. It's a big game for us against a good team. What'd you expect, right? Northwestern Nebraska's got to come down to the end of the game, and it certainly did on Saturday with Nebraska and the unlikely hero Lane McCallum from Norfolk, Nebraska, towing the winning field goal, getting it through a couple of outstretched arms, hands of Northwestern defenders to give Nebraska their fourth victory of the season. Welcome to another week of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on this Monday night. Got a busy show coming up. We're going to hear from the head coach a little bit later on in the hour. His press conference from today, thoughts about Saturday, and then looking ahead to a matchup with the undefeated Gophers coming up on Saturday night. We'll have our Mondays with Matt in hour number two. We'll hear from Braxton Clark, who got a handful of snaps for the Huskers defense on Saturday. Hour three, we'll have our weekend rewind, and Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com will join us. But Mondays, we always set aside a lot of time for you to dial us up and give us your thoughts about the game at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. And, wow, uh, it was a fight. We kind of knew it was going to be. It really was a lot like what we thought all week that this game would look like. And, fortunately, Nebraska gets the big throw, Ben, from Noah Vedral to Wandale Robinson to get down inside the red zone, and then Lane McCallum, of all people, wins it for the Big Red. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot that happened, but not a lot that happened at the same time. And, you know, the to me and, and to a lot of people, the biggest play of the game was the interception by Lamar Jackson. And, you know, you think about it, Greg, this is twice now this year that the defense has won Nebraska a game. Uh, you go back to Illinois, and um, defense needed to step up huge with a, Illinois with a chance to go down and get points and and win the game. Uh, same story with with Northwestern. You know, Northwestern was moving the ball and had a chance to go down and um, at least have a chance at a field goal. I know it was against the wind, but you know you uh, you give it a shot, and they they took a shot. Lamar Jackson got the pick, and Nebraska got one huge play from from Vedral to Robinson, and and McCallum was able to miraculously f- find a way through some hands and over the over the crossbar and celebration time for the Huskers. But you know, just quite the the vast difference of of feel of of a Nebraska defense compared with Illinois and Northwestern compared to Colorado, and what we were saying that de- that defense had time and time again a chance to end that game and, and end all hope for Colorado and it just didn't work out that way but uh so you know twice in a matter of what six six seven games under under Scott Frost that Huskers have won a 9-6 game and a 13-10 game but you'll take it as they come it's a win against Northwestern it gladly would have taken that by uh any stretch a year ago and you, you know it's a division win and you move on to the next one Ben, it's only the second time Nebraska has beaten Northwestern in Memorial Stadium. The first, the Hail Mary. The second, the walk-off field goal. So both wins by Nebraska over the Cats in our stadium was on the last play of a game. And so it, it was just a battle. You felt great at 10 nothing in the first half. Uh, but Northwestern took advantage of a good kickoff return to get a field goal in the second quarter to get their first points on the board. And then really the only bad drive for the defense was the opening drive for Northwestern in the third quarter when they went six plays 58 yards and scored 
that was kind of the only loose drive of the defense in that entire game. There were interesting calls that were made. I mean, I'm talking about officials' calls that were made in this game. You then had the injury factors that certainly played a huge role in this thing with J.D. Spielman going out early third quarter, Adrian Martinez going out late third quarter. So you, for Nebraska, you're really shorthanded with a couple of your big weapons. But Northwestern certainly is playing shorthanded as well. Isaiah Bowser doesn't play at all. Hunter Johnson doesn't play at all. So two teams that just are kind of fighting, scratching, and clawing to get it done. And that's the kind of game you end up getting. But I, 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 sure, I sure hope that nobody's walking away going, man, that wasn't any good. Because it certainly had a lot of drama at the end of the game. And two teams fighting like crazy to try to win a football game. Yeah, it was. There, I mean, it just felt like a like – a, like a Big Ten yeah. football game yeah. is what it felt like. And, you know, I think when I look big picture, I think the last year and exactly a half with this coaching staff has been a, a bit of a, a, a reality check in the sense that, you know, you may have your system in mind and want to come here and run your stuff, and I think that's awesome, and, and they're going to. And once, you know, they get the horses, but it's not as easy – to do as maybe they thought to just come into the Big Ten and and put together a, a, a team that's going to just completely erase the identity of what's happened over the course of however many years in the Big Ten. You can't do that. Northwestern's going to play great defense. Iowa's going to play great defense. Wisconsin has had great defenses. Like You can't just implement your system and just have 700 total yards all the time. And, and expect your offense to blow teams out. Like You, you hope that's the goal and that's going to happen, but you still have to have the ability to win a Big Ten slugfest. And it's, you're going ha- to have to do that time every, every now and again. And so it was refreshing to see that happen. It was refreshing to see uh, Nebraska win a game like that and, and win last year against Michigan State. It's, it's going to have to happen. And you hope the more recruiting classes they get in, the more easy it is to move the football. But... Uh, I mean, you mentioned no Hunter Johnson. I thought Aiden Smith provided probably the best spark of a Northwestern offense all year. And they found something with that zone read, and and it was working. They went down all the way down and scored with it. Now, you have to give a lot of credit to Coach Shenander and that defense for adjusting to that and taking that away from them. Because once that – I think I even said that on the broadcast. Once they took that away, Northwestern's offense was lost. Yeah. And and that was exactly what they needed to do. So credit to Coach Shenander. Everyone wants to talk in game adjustments, big time adjustment for them to to get that thing fixed and shut that valve off of the zone read because that was the only offense Northwestern had all day long. And and Nebraska made the plays when they needed to make. So big time kudos to Lamar Jackson. Big time throw from Noah Vedrill. Beautiful catch by Wandale on the sideline and and Lane McCallum to get the field goal through. It, it, it's not ugly, but. We're talking about a four and two football team here tonight, and two and one in the league with two wins over the West in Illinois and Northwestern. I want your take on this too, because there were times that it looked like Nebraska had the matchup they wanted on the outside, maybe a bubble screen, maybe a slip screen, maybe just a pass in the flat. Where you're like, all right, one of our guys with one of their guys. You like the ability for a Wandale or a Maurice Washington or a JD or whoever it might be to slip a tackle and go. 
but Northwestern doesn't let you get away with that. They make the play on the perimeter, and it's really remarkable to watch. And we said it all week that they are so sound defensively. They don't miss tackles. They're where they're supposed to be. They're just never really out of position. And that's, at least from our vantage point up in the booth, that's what it looked like a lot of on Saturday. Yeah, I had a, I had a good talk with a buddy about this yesterday who was frustrated about the offense, and I said, look, the best way that I can explain this is offensively, the way Nebraska works best is to get athletes in space, right? And you think about it conceptually, why? Why, why is that the case? It's because on one-on-one matchups – we trust our guys to get by their one guy mm-hmm. and make a big play. But for whatever reason, that one guy was impossible to get by against Northwestern. Like, the, the, the entire point of Nebraska's scheme is to get guys open in space and spread you out and, 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 and use your playmakers to get by guys. But when you have such a great and – and I know Nebraska's talent-wise is, is probably better than Northwestern, but when your fundamentals – are flawless and your football IQ is where it needs to be you can make up for lost talent with if you're you are where you're supposed to be and you tackle how you're supposed to tackle and you follow your assignment those one-on-one matchups that Nebraska wants are a heck of a lot more difficult to win when you're going up against a team like Northwestern who is fundamentally sound and they do what they're supposed to do every snap and they're so well coached they recognize formations. They recognize personnel. They recognize sets. They recognized, you know, plays as they happen. It, those one-on-one matchups that Nebraska tries to employ and take advantage of, of of are very difficult to win. And and you saw the Cats take advantage on many open field tackles, where if Nebraska makes one guy miss, it's a 10, 15, 20 yard gain. Instead, it's a two or three yard gain. It's it's really kind of a beautiful thing to watch. If you just love football, watch Northwestern play sound defense. I saw it in spades when they played Wisconsin the week before. They held the Badger offense, which is one of the better ones in the country right now, to 10 points. It's just that that's how they play. And you just knew it was going to be a slugfest. Thank goodness for Nebraska that they came out on top in this one. All right, those are some of our opening thoughts for this one. Here's the head coach from earlier today talking about Nebraska's quarterback situation. Well, we got to we'll let the week develop and see where Adrian is. Um, but we feel good about if we have to go with Noah and Luke. Um, those guys got a bunch of reps today, and they've been repping a lot all through the fall. So if it ends up being them, we're fine. But we're going to wait and see where Adrian is later in the week. The coach was asked now, does Adrian need to practice during this week to be able to play? Uh, he needs to practice a little, uh, but, um, you know, he's had plenty of reps, so we'll make those decisions down the road. It, and it kind of depends on when and if he's able to, to look efficient at practice. Now, snapping was, again, a topic today of the press conference. Again, some errant snaps, some high, some low on Saturday. One went over Noah Vedro's head, and then he made a terrific play. Went back and got it, scrambled to the right, and threw the ball away to avoid any kind of a loss. The coach was asked about the play that Noah made. Yeah, we tell him all the time uh, if, if there's some situation like that and we have any kind of bubble or RPO on to, to get outside the pocket and, and try to get rid of the ball unless you can get yards. And he did a good job. He tried to gain yards on it and, and couldn't and threw the ball away and, and saved us a negative play. He made some good decisions Saturday, and, and that's what I expect out of him. What would you make of that play? 
Um, wide mix of emotions in a span of about three seconds. You're, you're bracing for impact after the snap goes over his head. You're thinking, how am I going to comprehend another loss? <laughs> you go, oh, my God, he picked it up. Then you're thinking, okay, he might get some yards. And then he, and then you're just thinking, throw it away, throw it away. Yeah. I think Matt even said that in a call. Throw it away, throw it away. And he gets rid of it, and you're going, wow. And you live to fight another down. <laughs> there was a lot of emotion happening in that that short amount of time that seemed like a long amount of time. It was a really heads-up play for a guy that, you know, you know his mind is swirling because he hasn't been in the football game that long. But that really saved some field position for Nebraska in that game. If Noah has to be the guy Saturday, I'm I'm quietly comfortable about that. It's odd that I feel like I think he'll be okay if he has to be the guy that takes a snap Saturday night up in Minneapolis. Let's get back to the phone. Some more calls. Greg in Grand Island joins us next. Good evening. We're back. Sports out of here on a Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Huskers. Now move on after the 13-10 win over Northwestern, getting ready for the undefeated Minnesota Golden Gophers at 5-0. Here's the head coach earlier today talking about the Gophers. Well, first of all, they're undefeated. Um, they've played well at the end of some tight games. Uh, I think they're, they're big and physical up front. They have a big tight end that helps them in the running game. Their quarterback's been really efficient. they got two really good receivers. Um, they're going to smash you and run some RPOs and take shots and have uh, been putting up a lot of points. Um, defensively, I think they're a lot more sound than what we saw last year, uh, more athletic. Uh, so they've definitely improved. You can tell it's year three of his tenure up there, and they're starting to look like the team that he wants them to look like. Um, it's going to be a big challenge for us, uh, but a great opportunity as well. What do you make of them? I think they're improved. You know, they, they started so many freshmen last year. They were the youngest team in the in the country last year. And I think, you know, it's like ages with time, you know, they they get better and more experienced and it becomes more difficult. And I think we'll have a lot better idea of the whole progression scale of time and all that when we see Minnesota this week. I think, you know, that can be a, a decent example of, of what is reasonable, what what is logical, of of what it takes it, uh, you know, to turn a program around, and so I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they look like in person. I we know what Tyler Johnson is, we know what Rashad Bateman is, you know those running backs are good. How improved is is Morgan? How improved is that defense? To me, that that's that's what I'm tr- intrigued to see. They're in year three for PJ Fleck, where Coach Frost is in year two here. Since we played them last October, Nebraska's eight and four. Minnesota's only played 11 games since we last played them. They're 9-2. and two. Here's Scott Frost talking about what the two teams have done since that meeting last October. I can't speak to them. I know the, the whole thing's a process, and you just have to keep getting better inch by inch and day by day. And uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that they've continued to improve. Um, I think we're on the right trajectory as well. So uh, we'll probably have this game and a lot more um, tough games and big games against those guys. And boy, have they just found a way to win a lot of their games. South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, all games that they kind of f- pulled it out at the very end of the game. Uh, they had Purdue on the ropes, kind of let them back in it, one by a touchdown, and, and then they had a big second half Saturday against Illinois. But those first three weeks were games that could have gone either way. They found a way to win, and that's to me that's impressive that they're able to do that. Another thing, Ben, that's impressive about Minnesota is their wide receiving core led by Tyler Johnson. Here's the head coach talking about him. 
I think they got several good receivers. Um, Johnson probably been leading one, but uh, there's a lot of guys you have to pay attention to. Uh, they do a good job, you know, running those guys deep and, and completing some deep balls. They do a great job on RPOs that if your eyes aren't right and you're not in the right place can turn into big plays. Uh, so they, they definitely have some weapons on the perimeter. And uh, our DBs have to be on their game, but really everybody does because there, there's a lot of things that go into taking away those uh, run pass options. Tyler Johnson's a heck of a player. I mean, he, he really, really is good. And Bateman was a, was a four-star, highly thought-of guy when he came out of high school. And, you know, here he is making an impact. So they're they're tough offense to stop. Haven't said that about Minnesota's offense in a long no, time. I know, but they can hurt you both with the ground and through the air. So they're pretty multiple with what they do. And he's, like him or not, and he's quirky. I'm talking about P.J. Fleck. He's doing really good things there. We talked a lot about it this summer, particularly when we left Chicago. Time now for the weekly breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program. All the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime. And we've seen the best one here today against the top ten team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. Well, it wasn't pretty, but it, it was a win, and I guess that's all that matters in conference play, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. I mean, we've been on the other end of some of those close ones, and, and we got this one done. Uh, it was a tough game. We knew they were, they were good defensively. Uh, they, they've shown that all year long. They did a good job against Wisconsin, so we knew running it was going to be difficult. And, and uh, even though we had some injuries during the game, the guys found a way down the stretch. Big-time job by Noah coming into the game, and obviously Wandale had himself a great game. So uh, all the guys stepped on their part, and, and um, you know, game win. It wasn't always the prettiest game, Greg, but we got it done. No turnovers. That was sure nice to see, wasn't it? For sure. I mean, we, we all know it, and we talk about it, and we practice it over and over and over again, and sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, or sometimes you make some bad decisions. Uh, we didn't fumble it, and we did a good job taking care of it, and that was obviously big. I mean, field position and turnovers in a game like that are going to be big, and the one turnover Northwestern committed was, was a big one at a, at a costly time for them, and and we were able to avoid that. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was nice to have a clean game in that way. What makes Wandale so good in your eyes? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, he's he's a mature kid for his age. To be able to come in and play at this level at that age is tough. Excuse me. He's um, he's really uh, physically a tough kid, so he can take a lot of shots. He's taken some big hits this year, and he always gets up. Um, he can catch the ball in the backfield well. He runs routes well, and obviously we can hand it to him too. So he just does about anything that you'd want a guy to be able to do offensively. He's he's able to make a guy miss. He has great speed. And at the same time, he'll go into contact and, and get every extra yard that he possibly can. So he's fearless. He's courageous on the field for his size, and, and he just he's just really productive. And, and um, you know, he stayed healthy, which is big too. Yeah. Well, certainly a moment that Lane McCallum will never forget in his life. What a, what a story, isn't it, Matt, for a guy who wasn't even a part of the 110, uh, didn't even think he was going to be kicking this year. Now he's been thrust into that. And then to have a moment like that, wow, good to be Lane McCallum today. 
Yeah, I remember when he was wanting to transfer to Nebraska, and that came across my desk, and we looked at him, watched his film, learned a little bit more about him, and, and ultimately he ended up here and didn't think he'd be kicking. I don't think he thought that either, but we've obviously had a weird year with, with injuries in that way, and you know, he's come in, he's a hardworking kid, he's um, he's a very likable kid, he, you know, just being from Nebraska, and, and if you'd have told him, you know, one month ago, or let alone a year ago, or whatever, like, you're going to kick a game-winning kick in Memorial Stadium, I mean, he probably wouldn't have believed it, we wouldn't have believed it, I mean, it, this is a, it's crazy how it all came about, but you know, he came in and, and made two out of three, and the one that he missed, he hit pretty well, and he hit the upright, so He's been thrust into a tough situation, and, and he's done a great job. That was a pressure-packed kick, and, you know, I don't think he hit it exactly like he wanted to hit it, but it went it went through the uprights. That's all that matters, and I'm just really happy for him. Yeah, only the second walk-off field goal in the history of Memorial Stadium for the Cornhuskers. That was pretty remarkable stuff on Saturday. Coach Frost, speaking about not believing things, was asked today, Matt, if, if you'd have told him when he took the job two years ago if he would envision winning games like 9-6 to six and 13-10, to 10, he said, no way, but in some ways that's kind of life in the Big Ten week in and week out, isn't it? It is. I mean, you're facing teams that know each other pretty well. We know that pretty much everybody you play in the Big Ten is well coached. Um, so you kind of have a playbook on everybody. Uh, pretty much everybody has big, strong guys, and so it's really tough sledding between the tackles. Um, and, and so you see this, and, and every week there's either an upset or a game that's way closer than you thought it might be. And and you just got to try to find a way each week. And luckily, our defense has played well. I mean, they, they really did a good job Saturday, and we've seen that pretty consistently all year. The Ohio State game kind of being the outlier on both on both ends. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tough week. We all know that. You have to be big and physical, but you also have to have skill guys that can separate and make plays. And, and you know, if, if you turn the ball over in this league, you're probably not going to win very many games, and it's probably going to be true for us the rest of the year. If we take care of it, I think we have a chance to win about any game we play. And if we turn it over two or three or four times like we have this year at times, then we're probably not going to win very many. So um, it's, a, it's a good league. It's a tough league. And, and it's going to take great effort on, uh, for us on Saturday to go get one on the road. Yeah, Northwestern on Saturday, Matt, had w- only one play from scrimmage of over 20 yards. It was a 23-yard pass play, so the defense really did a nice job. How did you how did you feel like Nebraska handled the loss of Khalil Davis up front on Saturday? Well, the guys had to play some more snaps. We saw Casey uh, Rogers get in there. We, we saw uh, Damian Daniels play a little bit more. Ben Stilley, I thought, came in and maybe had his best game of the year on Saturday, so other guys had to play a few more snaps. Darian Daniels played a bunch of snaps, and obviously Carlos did too. And 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 so they they picked up the slack. I mean, that's one place where we actually have a little bit of depth, and we can we can fill in for some guys. But Khalil's a really good player. It'd be nice to have him back this weekend. I'm sure he's going to be ready to go after taking a week off, and and uh, he'll be excited to get back out there with his guys. We have a pretty good group up front there on defense. All right, this week it's it's Minnesota. The Gophers have probably been one of the biggest surprises in the country at 5-0. and What are your thoughts about this one on Saturday? Well, they found a way. You know, he's gotten his kids to buy in. They've been in some tough spots this year in, in different games, and they found a way. So uh, give them a lot of credit. 
They're they're well coached. Uh, they're a tough team. They have a couple really good wide receivers. Uh, they're big and strong up front, and and so it's going to be a big challenge, no doubt. I mean, you look at the weather; it looks like it's going to be a cold game, and and uh, it's really going to test our guys going on the road up there. We have a week fo- week off following, so you want to just put it all out there this weekend, try to get a win, and feel good going into the off week, but. It's not going to be easy, and Minnesota expects to win. They've won them all so far. They've been in a lot of close games, so they're not scared of playing a close game, and, and so it's going to take a really good effort from us. But, but um, you know, if we go up there and take care of the football and, and uh, perform the way that we can, I think we have a good chance to go get a win. And if we don't play well and turn it over, probably not going to happen. So it's kind of life in the Big Ten, as you said. It's tough every week. Some uncertainty, obviously, with with Adrian's health moving forward. How confident do you think the team is and the coaches are in Noah if his number gets called again on Saturday? I think really confident. I think he showed that Saturday that he could come in and run this offense, and he's been in it for a long time. Scott took him down to UCF, and he learned it down there, and so he's been in the system for a number of years and knows it inside and out as well as Adrian or anybody else on it. you know, he understands what we're trying to do. He's really athletic. He can run. He's not scared. Um, he, he's a guy that, that's going to lay it all out there. He's a Nebraska kid who's going to play with a lot of pride. And, and uh, so if he's the guy on Saturday or any time moving forward, um, it'll be great. And, and I think everybody has confidence in him. So I, I think we have a really good room of quarterbacks, Greg, overall. They're great kids. Uh, they're guys that, that get along really well. They compete hard against each other. Uh, yet they're guys that support each other as well. And it was great to see Saturday. And whoever it ends up being sat- this coming Saturday, I think we'll have confidence in them. All right. Hope you can find your winter jacket. Sounds like you're going to need it on Saturday. I think so. We might have to keep the windows shut. That's that probably will be uh, maybe the, the game time <laughs> call. You bet. Have a good week. All right, buddy. We'll see you. One guy that we also saw again on the field for the defense is Braxton Clark. Had a couple of tackles in the game against Northwestern on Saturday as Nebraska trying to work him into that rotation a little bit. You're going to graduate Lamar Jackson after this year. And Braxton physically reminds you a little bit of Lamar. A little bit taller, corner, longer, long arms. And you had a chance to catch up with him earlier today. Yeah, very rangy guy. And obviously behind Lamar and DiCaprio in the depth chart and still plugging away to try and get some playing time. I asked him in his eyes how he thought thinks his season's going so far. For me, I say it's been going pretty good, you know, just trying to build build on the momentum that I got going right now, you know, just trying to stay in the playbook, you know, and just gain the trust from the coaches and the players on the team. This is a really hard time for a guy that, you know, comes to the program and you're behind good good corners. What what are your, is your relationship like with Coach Fisher right now, what he's telling you to just stay focused and bring your lunch pail to work every day? What, tell us what, what that dynamic's like with Coach Fish. Uh, my relationship with Coach Fish is good. You know, he, he's hard on me because, you know, he knows that I can be good at the end of the day and he wants me to be good at the end of the day. And, you know, I tell him, I tell him if I'm slacking, you know, be on me. You know, don't let me slip up in any type of way because I, I want that type of coaching. I want hard coaching on me because I feel like that's going to bring the best out in me. So, yeah, me and Coach Fish relationship good right now, I'd say. You got some good competition in front of you. You got probably good role models right now with with DiCaprio and Lamar. What, what's your relationship like with those guys and how much they're helping you through this? Good. You know, DiCaprio and Lamar, they just always try to, you know, help me out on little things, you know, just little things to get here fast or just little things when I'm impressed, you know, I can, or some things on the field that I might not see that they see. So, you know, they always just trying to help me, you know, just trying to make me a student of the game and just make me better, period. You're a big dude. What What, what is it about corner that you like? 
Uh, I like locking people up. You know, I like looking them in their eyes, and they know I'm a guard them, and I like locking them down at the end of the day, you know. So I feel like it's a one-on-one dog-eat-dog world out there, so I like that type of pressure on me. You know, I feel like it makes me bring the best out of my game. I'm sure you played multiple positions in high school. What was it? And then you talked about what you like about corner, but do you do you ever reminisce in those days of you know playing another position or you know <laughs> thinking of back to those other old days? Yeah, when I used to play like receiver or running back when I was little, you know that's a little glory position, you know. But at the end of the day, I like defense. You know, defense cool. You know, that's what I like, and I feel like that's the type of mentality I have, and I like to be on that side of the ball. So you know, I don't think about it too much. You know, I just try to get trying to get better at the position I'm playing at now you're a Florida boy starting to to, to turn the weather here uh, someone flipped the switch to, to cold now are you are you getting used to this Nebraska weather I mean I went through it last year they told me it was like the worst winter ever my first one here so I mean I'm really not expecting too much you know so I'm just expecting the same thing that happened last year you know just a whole bunch of snow but at the end of the day it doesn't mess with me too much you know because you know, we don't really deal with it too much. Coaching staff really liked you out of high school, and they you know they end up coming here to Nebraska. From your from your side of it, what was it about Nebraska that was intriguing, or these coaches that you know they they may come here to a foreign place in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, but you know you still had interest in this place. Uh, really, the culture, you know, and just how the coaches, you know, they're like they're players' coaches. You know, they care for you as a person. You know, they don't just care for themselves. So they want you to graduate. You know, they want you to be a good father, a good son, a good brother. They want you to do all these things. You know, so it's not just about football. It's about making you into a complete man. So that's why. I really appreciate about the coaches here. You had some some Florida flavor, you know, following you to Nebraska. How does that help? You know, you have you have decap there. You've got Coach Beckton who has a, a lot of ties in Florida. To, you know, to you know, you're not definitely not in Florida, but you know, to, to have a little flavor at home here, uh, it feels good. You know, because you know you always want that side. You know, you know, feel what home feels like. But at the end of the day, I, I appreciate everybody here. You know, the Nebraska boys, the Georgia boys, Bama boys, everybody. You know, we all family, and I don't really look at it as like a Florida versus the world thing. You know. You know, if you're from Florida, that's cool. You're from the crib, but you know, I appreciate everybody here. This team right now, uh, kind of in the thick of it defensively, you've had to come out and, and come up with some big stops to win some games. How, how much pride do you, does a defense take in that? You know, in a game like last Saturday with Northwestern, you have to get stop after stop after stop to, to go out there and, and really the attitude in those huddles when you're off the field. Uh, we take pride in games like that because we prefer games like that, you know, put it on us, let us win the game, you know, because we just we, we try to get better at the end of the day and bring that black shirt swagger back. So it's, it's, it's about getting better at the end of the day. So we had a couple things that we could have did better on the field, but at the end of the day, it was a good defensive game. You mentioned black shirts. What have you learned about the black shirt tradition since you've been here? Uh, people people really cherish that, you know, old black shirts, they take it serious, you know, and I realized like how big of a tradition it was. And you you don't just get to put that jersey on, you earn it. So, you know, I just, I'm just learning new things and different things about it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a blue collared, hard working jersey basically to earn. What was it like for the first time you saw, you showed up at practice and players had those things on? Uh, they was giving out. They were people just didn't have them on. But when they were giving out, uh, they had old black shirts come in and present it to the players. And I just seen like how big of an honor it is to wear that jersey. Because once you get that jersey, you know it's not like you made it. You got to keep working. Now you got to represent, and now you got to lead by example. So yeah. Where have you taken the most strides as a player, Braxton? I mean, in high school, it's so easy for a lot of you guys because you're just so much more athletic than everybody. But for you, what have you really had to improve on this year and something you're continuing to focus on every day in practice? 
really my IQ, you know, just knowing by my alignment, you know, and just the way he releases off the ball, knowing like certain routes he's going to run and just hand placement, just everything really just me getting smarter as a player, you know, so it might look like I'm doing something faster, but I just know what's going on. So really that I've been just, you know, trying to stay in the playbook and just try to keep learning as much as I can. You're out there on specific packages. What is it about having to, to stay locked in, you know, on the sideline all the time? You can kind of get, get lost in the flow of a game, but having to stay ready. So, you know, that package is called. You got to be out there and ready. Mm. I mean, they. I mean, when they need you, your number is called. You got to go out there and produce. So it's not really I'm out there getting lost during the game because I'm always looking forward to getting in the game and making plays. So whenever I get an opportunity, you know, I'm more than eager to get out there. So I'm always locked in regardless just by, you know, just being out there on the field. It's going to be a fun test for you DBs this week. Minnesota's got some, some pretty good receivers and some good wideouts, guys that we've seen before. Uh, from what you remember about them and the little, little film study you've done already, it's just Monday. Uh, what What is it about this this receiver group that makes them so good and, and what you guys are gonna have to do well on Saturday um, they're, they're explosive you know they got two good receivers out there and uh, really you know they the releases off the ball they try to make plays on the ball highest point in the air so really we just got to be on our P's and Q's during the game and you know we just we play our role we play what we do you know at the end of the day everything's gonna come out fine so we're not really too worried about them it's more about us packing the snow gear this week yeah yeah it's starting to get a little cold but uh it's all right though you know it was getting a little hot so everything's all right i ain't worried about it too much braxton thanks for sitting down with us man good luck against minnesota thank you braxton clark yeah it's a tough adjustment with those florida boys <laughs> that first winter kind of hits hard sure does nebraska was able to utilize that four game red shirt rural with him last year he played a couple games uh, but save the shirt now redshirt freshman. I just like the look of him. He just looks like a guy that can match up with bigger wide receivers and, and play. And certainly I think his role will go up next year with the graduation of Lamar Jackson. That was that was a fun interview to listen to. Chance to catch up with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Good column up there today. You kind of went through the first six weeks. Still a real crowded field, isn't it, for what could be a, a playoff at the end of December? It is, Greg. It's a much bigger field than I think a lot of people thought going into the year. There was so much talk just about Alabama and Clemson, but whether it's uh, LSU or Ohio State or Oklahoma or, or Georgia, you know, the, you know there's so many teams that have joined those other, you know, those two. And, you know, the, I think they all are, aren't perfect. And that was sort of the point of today is, is looking at issues, whether it's a unit or a schedule issue or just having youth in certain places. But, um, you know, it's fun to talk about more than just two teams right now. And I think a lot of teams have closed that gap, at least early on, with the defending national champions and the runner-up in Alabama. But there's obviously a long way to go. Well, it sets up chaos. I love chaos in college football season. One of those teams that would be in your group is Florida. What a nice win they had Saturday. And this is a huge stretch for the Gators, isn't it? It really is. And I was impressed. You know, they lost their starting quarterback, Felipe Franks, a few weeks ago at Kentucky, unfortunate situation, but, you know, Kyle Trask has come in and, and really played well. I mean, this Florida offense, you know, their numbers are not going to blow anybody away, but they have the ability to make big plays. And they did that both in the beginning of the game against Auburn, which is one of the best defenses in the country, certainly in the SEC. Freddie Swain had that long touchdown pass from Trask. And then Michael Pirine, what a run, 88 yards in the fourth quarter to really seal it for Florida. Uh, but, but you're right, it gets no easier for them. You know, they go on the road this week to play that hot LSU offense. 
in Baton Rouge at night, one of the toughest places to play in the country. Then they go to South Carolina, which has a pretty good defense. And then a couple of weeks later, their, their biggest game of the year, at least regular season, against Georgia, which has given uh, Florida some problems the last couple of years. Uh, and that likely will decide the SEC East. Missouri's still in that mix. Florida also has to go to Missouri. So, you know, they, they've played well to this point, but they haven't really uh, you know, put, done a whole lot on the road or away from Gainesville. And that's about to change. Yeah. Um, did Michigan impress you? Did they do enough? I mean, they won the game, but it's, it still was far from what maybe we expected out of Michigan. What did you take away from their victory over Iowa? Right. Well, I think defensively you have to be impressed. I mean, the, the comments I was getting a couple of weeks ago, you know, after they got blown up by Wisconsin, is you know when they face a team that can block with how aggressive they are defensively, sometimes they get burned. And they did against Wisconsin, but they didn't against Iowa. They overwhelmed uh, that offensive line and, and Nathan Stanley, you rarely see an offensive line from Iowa get pushed around the way that, 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 that one was last week in Ann Arbor. So you credit Don Brown and that defensive front. They were aggressive. That's who they are. I think you can see, Greg, a defense that knows who it is and a Michigan offense that's still trying to figure out who it wants to be under Josh Gaddis and uh, you know, first-time play caller. It just still isn't there, whether it's the personnel or the flow or, or what have you. They just have a hard time putting up points. And that's going to be a problem because they have Penn State on the road in a couple of weeks. They have Notre Dame coming in. Those are both really good defenses. They still have Michigan State and Ohio State top 10 defenses at the end of the year. And so uh, Michigan's going to have to figure some things out offensively this week at Illinois, which is not a great defense, before the schedule gets much tougher again. Well, Iowa gets held to three points by Michigan, and now they get to play Penn State, which has been maybe equally, if not better, than Michigan on defense, right? But Kinnick Stadium, that should be electric on Saturday night. Right. Well, you'd expect you know Kirk Ferentz, who's a longtime offensive line guy, and Brian Ferentz's son, the O-line coach, to really challenge that offensive line because after what happened at Michigan, if they don't get better, you know, they're facing, at least numbers-wise, the best defensive line in the country in terms of sacks and tackles for loss. Penn State's incredibly deep. That's the strength of their team. And if it doesn't get better, it's going to be a, a carbon copy of what you saw in Ann Arbor. But you're right. Kinnick Stadium's going to be electric. You would expect Iowa to play better. The last time these teams played, it literally went down to the wire. Trace McSorley throwing to Jawan Johnson, I think with one second left uh, to, to beat Iowa. Penn State's actually won 11 consecutive games against Big Ten West opponents. I didn't realize that until today. But obviously Iowa, th- those last two games have been very close. And so I would expect another really good contest. And I'd be surprised if Iowa looks that poor, uh, especially up front two weeks in a row. All right, a couple big games in the state of Texas this weekend, Adam. I want your thoughts on, let's start with the Red River rivalry. Big test for Oklahoma. We really haven't seen them tested yet. They will be Saturday, correct? Yeah, they will. I hope so. I'll be there, Greg. And, and I know you, you appreciate that game. And it's the first one I'll be at. Uh, I've ever covered this game. And so excited to to check out the state fair and, and, and many fried things and, and that whole atmosphere. But, yeah, it, it should be a, a nice test for Oklahoma. I still, uh, you know, looking at Texas's defense, they were rebuilding in many spots just because of personnel losses. Then they've had some injuries in the secondary. And so, you know, that, that worries me a little bit because Oklahoma has been so prolific offensively. And so, you know, I think if there's a weakness with OU, it's, it's their O-line, which, which loses or lost four starters from last year. Yeah, they didn't protect great against Kansas, and so that, that's where Texas has to take advantage. And then they're obviously going to have to match scores with an improved Oklahoma defense under Alex Grinch. But you know, this is what, really that first matchup of two Heisman Trophy contenders in Jalen Hurts, who's definitely up there, 
and Sam Ellinger, who's had some really good numbers, but needs a great performance in my mind to start making a push for the Heisman with so many other quarterbacks in that mix. So which quarterback comes out of there will we'll certainly uh, feel better about his Heisman chances and the team that wins this game can feel a lot better about their chances to win the Big 12 and, and possibly get to the playoff. It's an elimination game in my mind for Texas. They're not going to get in with two losses, but uh, if they can win this game and then go on and run the table, they'd have a great resume to get in the playoff. South of Dallas, you go to College Station, you got Bama and A&M. Will the, will the tide be pushed this week in your eyes? Well, I think if, they, if they're going to be, it's going to be because of the A&M secondary, and, and they've been better against the pass this year, but A&M just hasn't met my expectations so far. Maybe they were too high coming off of the way they ended last season. I know that they're going to be next year. That's their year, maybe to be a top 10 uh, team, a playoff contender. But I just haven't been overly impressed with Jimbo Fisher's team so far. They've had, I think they were off last week, so they've had a week to prepare for Alabama. They get them at home. Uh, They've been very good at home for the most part under Jimbo. And so uh, we'll we'll, we'll find out. But A&M is going to have to play by far its best game of the year, I think, to be able to to pace Alabama because the the tide are just so potent on offense with Tua and that passing game. Receivers are so good. And then they're getting the running game involved uh, as well. So it'll be uh, be nice to see where Alabama is at because they, they really haven't uh, been been pushed at all this season. Yeah, one other game that is traditionally one of the great games every fall is SC at Notre Dame. I don't I don't know if the the Trojans have enough though. Do they to, to push the Irish on their own field? Well, the hard part for USC is they don't defend the run particularly well, and now Notre Dame doesn't run it that well either. So maybe that gives them a break. And and USC is very uh, pass heavy on offense, and so uh, they don't they don't run the, they, 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 their run game is not what what we kind of know it to be historically. Uh, you know, USC talent wise can certainly hang in this game. But there's just a sloppiness to their play, Greg, in terms of watching them. Even in their win against Utah, which I, I covered live, uh, there's just a lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers. They're going to have to play. I think Clay Helton even said it earlier tonight, their cleanest game of the season to be able to beat this Notre Dame team on the road uh, at night. Ian Book was, was much better, uh, has been much better the last couple of weeks for the Irish. The last time these two teams played in South Bend, Greg, it was, it was over uh, very, very early. Notre Dame complete domination of USC. And if that's the case, there's certainly going to be even more pressure on Clay Helton and, and maybe on USC to make a decision there because uh, this is really a must-win for him. In my mind, he wants to coach the Trojans next season. Very good. All right, we'll travel safe to Dallas, go get you some fried pickles, and we'll talk next week. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Greg. That's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg for spending some time with us here in hour number three. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you being a part of this one here tonight. Have a great night. Ben and Nate with you tomorrow. Yeah.